part eleven of a collection of stories reviews and essays by willa siebert cather this librivox recording is in the public domain part eleven the bohemian girl sections three and four mrs olaf ericsson clara Bavikra, as many people still called her was moving restlessly about her big bare house that morning her husband had left for the country town before his wife was out of bed her lateness in rising was one of the many things the ericsson family had against her clara seldom came downstairs before eight o'clock and this morning she was even later for she had dressed with unusual care she put on however only a tight-fitting black dress which people thereabouts thought very plain she was a tall dark woman of thirty with a rather sallow complexion and a touch of dull salmon red in her cheeks where the blood seemed to burn under her brown skin her hair parted evenly above her low forehead was so black that there were distinctly blue lights in it her black eyebrows were delicate half-moons and her lashes were long and heavy her eyes slanted a little as if she had a strain of tartar or gypsy blood and were sometimes full of fiery determination and sometimes dull and opaque her expression was never altogether amiable was often indeed distinctly sullen or when she was animated sarcastic she was most attractive in profile for then one saw to advantage her small well-shaped head and delicate ears and felt at once that here was a very positive if not an altogether pleasing personality the entire management of mrs olaf's household devolved upon her aunt joanna vavrika a superstitious doting woman of fifty when clara was a little girl her mother died and joanna's life had been spent in ungrudging service to her niece clara like many self-willed and discontented persons was really very apt without knowing it to do as other people told her and to let her destiny be decided for her by intelligences much below her own it was her aunt joanna who had humoured and spoiled her in her girlhood who had got her off to chicago to study piano and who had finally persuaded her to marry olaf ericsson as the best match she would be likely to make in that part of the country joanna vavrika had been deeply scarred by smallpox in the old country she was short and fat homely and jolly and sentimental she was so broad and took such short steps when she walked that her brother joe vavrika always called her his duck she adored her niece because of her talent because of her good looks and masterful ways but most of all because of her selfishness clara's marriage with olaf ericsson was joanna's particular triumph she was inordinately proud of olaf's position and she found a sufficiently exciting career in managing clara's house in keeping it above the criticism of the ericsons in pampering olaf to keep him from finding fault with his wife and in concealing from every one clara's domestic infelicities while clara slept of a morning joanna vavrika was bustling about seeing that olaf and the men had their breakfast and that the cleaning or the butter-making or the washing was properly begun by the two girls in the kitchen 
then at about eight o'clock she would take clara's coffee up to her and chat with her while she drank it telling her what was going on in the house old mrs ericson frequently said that her daughter-in-law would not know what day of the week it was if joanna did not tell her every morning mrs ericson despised and pitied joanna but did not wholly dislike her the one thing she hated in her daughter-in-law above everything else was the way in which clara could come it over people it enraged her that the affairs of her son's big barn-like house went on as well as they did and she used to feel that in this world we have to wait over long to see the guilty punished suppose joanna vavrika died or got sick the old lady used to say to olaf your wife wouldn't know where to look for her own dishcloth olaf only shrugged his shoulders the fact remained that joanna did not die and although mrs ericson often told her she was looking poorly she was never ill she seldom left the house and she slept in a little room off the kitchen no ericson by night or day could come prying about there to find fault without her knowing it her one weakness was that she was an incurable talker and she sometimes made trouble without meaning to this morning clara was tying a wine-coloured ribbon about her throat when joanna appeared with her coffee after putting the tray on a sewing-table she began to make clara's bed chattering the while in bohemian well olaf got off early and the girls are baking i'm going down presently to make some poppy-seed bread for olaf he asked for prune preserves at breakfast and i told him i was out of them and to bring some prunes and honey and cloves from town clara poured her coffee ugh i don't see how men can eat so much sweet stuff in the morning too her aunt chuckled knowingly bait a bear with honey as we say in the old country was he cross her niece asked indifferently olaf oh no he was in fine spirits he's never cross if you know how to take him i never knew a man to make so little fuss about bills i gave him a list of things to get a yard long and he didn't say a word just folded it up and put it in his pocket i can well believe he didn't say a word clara remarked with a shrug some day he'll forget how to talk oh but they say he's a grand speaker in the legislature he knows when to keep quiet that's why he's got such influence in politics the people have confidence in him joanna beat up a pillow and held it under her fat chin while she slipped on the case her niece laughed maybe we could make people believe we were wise auntie if we held our tongues why did you tell mrs ericson that norman threw me again last saturday and turned my foot she's been talking to olaf joanna fell into great confusion oh but my precious the old lady asked for you and she's always so angry if i can't give an excuse anyhow she needn't talk she's always tearing up something with that motor of hers when her aunt clattered down to the kitchen clara went to dust the parlour since there was not much there to dust this did not take very long olaf had built the house new for her before their marriage but her interest in furnishing it had been short-lived it went indeed little beyond a bath-tub and her piano they had disagreed about almost every other article of furniture and clara had said she would rather have her house empty than full of things she didn't want 
the house was set in a hillside and the west windows of the parlour looked out above the kitchen yard thirty feet below the east windows opened directly into the front yard at one of the latter clara while she was dusting heard a low whistle she did not turn at once but listened intently as she drew her cloth slowly along the round of a chair yes there it was i dreamt that i dwelt in marble halls she turned and saw niels ericsson laughing in the sunlight his hat in his hand just outside the window as she crossed the room he leaned against the wire screen aren't you at all surprised to see me clara vavrika no i was expecting to see you mother ericsson telephoned olaf last night that you were here niels squinted and gave a long whistle telephoned that must have been while eric and i were out walking isn't she enterprising lift this screen won't you clara lifted the screen and neil swung his leg across the window-sill as he stepped into the room she said you didn't think you were going to get ahead of your mother did you he threw his hat on the piano oh i do sometimes you see i'm ahead of her now i'm supposed to be in anders wheatfield but as we were leaving mother ran her car into a soft place beside the road and sank up to the hubs while they were going for horses to pull her out i cut away behind the stacks and escaped nils chuckled clara's dull eyes lit up as she looked at him admiringly you've got them guessing already i don't know what your mother said to olaf over the telephone but he came back looking as if he'd seen a ghost and he didn't go to bed until a dreadful hour ten o'clock i should think he sat out on the porch in the dark like a graven image it had been one of his talkative days too they both laughed easily and lightly like people who have laughed a great deal together but they remained standing anders and otto and peter looked as if they had seen ghosts too over in the threshing-field what's the matter with them all clara gave him a quick searching look well for one thing they've always been afraid you have the other will nils looked interested the other will yes a later one they knew your father made another but they never knew what he did with it they almost tore the old house to pieces looking for it they always suspected that he carried on a clandestine correspondence with you for the one thing he would do was to get his own mail himself so they thought he might have sent the new will to you for safekeeping the old one leaving everything to your mother was made long before you went away and it's understood among them that it cuts you out that she will leave all the property to the others your father made the second will to prevent that i've been hoping you had it it would be such fun to spring it on them clara laughed mirthfully a thing she did not often do now nils shook his head reprovingly come now you're malicious no i'm not but i'd like something to happen to stir them all up just for once there never was such a family for having nothing ever happen to them but dinner and threshing i'd almost be willing to die just to have a funeral you wouldn't stand it for three weeks nils bent over the piano and began pecking at the keys with the finger of one hand i wouldn't my dear young lady how do you know what i can stand you wouldn't wait to find out clara flushed darkly and frowned i didn't believe you would ever come back she said defiantly eric believed i would and he was only a baby when i went away 
however all's well that ends well and i haven't come back to be a skeleton at the feast we mustn't quarrel mother will be here with a search warrant pretty soon he swung round and faced her thrusting his hands into his coat pockets come you ought to be glad to see me if you want something to happen i'm something even without a will we can have a little fun can't we i think we can she echoed him i think we can they both laughed and their eyes sparkled clara vavrika looked ten years younger than when she had put the velvet ribbon about her throat that morning you know i'm so tickled to see mother nils went on i didn't know i was so proud of her a regular pile-driver how about little pigtails down at the house is olaf doing the square thing by those children clara frowned pensively olaf has to do something that looks like the square thing now that he's a public man she glanced drolly at niels but he makes a good commission out of it on sundays they all get together here and figure he lets peter and anders put in big bills for the keep of the two boys and he pays them out of the estate they are always having what they call accountings olaf gets something out of it too i don't know just how they do it but it's entirely a family matter as they say and when the ericsons say that clara lifted her eyebrows just then the angry honk honk of an approaching motor sounded from down the road their eyes met and they began to laugh they laughed as children do when they cannot contain themselves and cannot explain the cause of their mirth to grown people but share it perfectly together when clara vavrika sat down at the piano after he was gone she felt that she had laughed away a dozen years she practised as if the house were burning over her head when niels greeted his mother and climbed into the front seat of the motor beside her mrs ericson looked grim but she made no comment upon his truancy until she had turned her car and was retracing her revolutions along the road that ran by olaf's big pasture then she remarked dryly if i were you i wouldn't see too much of olaf's wife while you are here she's the kind of woman who can't see much of men without getting herself talked about she was a good deal talked about before he married her hasn't olaf tamed her nils asked indifferently mrs ericson shrugged her massive shoulders olaf don't seem to have much luck when it comes to wives the first one was meek enough but she was always ailing and this one has her own way he says if he quarrelled with her she'd go back to her father and then he'd lose the bohemian vote there are a great many bohunks in this district but when you find a man under his wife's thumb you can always be sure there's a soft spot in him somewhere nils thought of his own father and smiled she brought him a good deal of money didn't she besides the bohemian vote mrs ericson sniffed well she has a fair half-section in her own name but i can't see as that does olaf much good she will have a good deal of property some day if old vavrika don't marry again but i don't consider a saloon-keeper's money as good as other people's money nils laughed outright come mother don't let your prejudices carry you that far money's money old vavrika's a mighty decent sort of a saloon-keeper nothing rowdy about him mrs ericson spoke up angrily oh i know you always stood up for them 
but hanging around there when you were a boy never did you any good nils nor any of the other boys who went there there weren't so many after her when she married olaf let me tell you she knew enough to grab her chance nils settled back in his seat of course i like to go there mother and you were always cross about it you never took the trouble to find out that it was the one jolly house in this country for a boy to go to all the rest of you were working yourselves to death and the houses were mostly a mess full of babies and washing and flies oh it was all right i understand that but you are young only once and i happened to be young then now vavrika's was always jolly he played the violin and i used to take my flute and clara played the piano and joanna used to sing bohemian songs she always had a big supper for us herrings and pickles and poppy-seed bread and lots of cake and preserves old joe had been in the army in the old country and he could tell lots of good stories i can see him cutting bread at the head of the table now i don't know what i'd have done when i was a kid if it hadn't been for the vavrikas really and all the time he was taking money that other people had worked hard in the fields for mrs ericson observed so do the circuses mother and they're a good thing people ought to get fun for some of their money even father liked old joe your father mrs ericson said grimly liked everybody as they crossed the sand creek and turned into her own place mrs ericson observed there's olaf's buggy he stopped on his way from town nils shook himself and prepared to greet his brother who was waiting on the porch olaf was a big heavy norwegian slow of speech and movement his head was large and square like a block of wood when nils at a distance tried to remember what his brother looked like he could recall only his heavy head high forehead large nostrils and pale blue eyes set far apart olaf's features were rudimentary the thing one noticed was the face itself wide and flat and pale devoid of any expression betraying his fifty years as little as it betrayed anything else and powerful by reason of its very stolidness when olaf shook hands with nils he looked at him from under his light eyebrows but nils felt that no one could ever say what that pale look might mean the one thing he had always felt in olaf was a heavy stubbornness like the unyielding stickiness of wet loam against the plough he had always found olaf the most difficult of his brothers how do you do nils expect to stay with us long oh i may stay forever nils answered gaily i like this country better than i used to there's been some work put into it since you left olaf remarked exactly i think it's about ready to live in now and i'm about ready to settle down nils saw his brother lower his big head exactly like a bull he thought mother's been persuading me to slow down now and go in for farming he went on lightly olaf made a deep sound in his throat farming ain't learned in a day he brought out still looking at the ground oh i know but i pick things up quickly nils had not meant to antagonize his brother and he did not know now why he was doing it of course he went on i shouldn't expect to make a big success as you fellows have done but then i'm not ambitious i don't want much a little land and some cattle maybe olaf still stared at the ground his head down he wanted to ask nils what he had been doing all these years 
that he didn't have a business somewhere he couldn't afford to leave why he hadn't more pride than to come back with only a little sole-leather trunk to show for himself and to present himself as the only failure in the family he did not ask one of these questions but he made them all felt distinctly humph nils thought no wonder the man never talks when he can butt his ideas into you like that without ever saying a word i suppose he uses that kind of smokeless powder on his wife all the time but i guess she has her innings he chuckled and olaf looked up never mind me olaf i laugh without knowing why like little eric he's another cheerful dog eric said olaf slowly is a spoiled kid he's just let his mother's best cow go dry because he don't milk her right i was hoping you'd take him away somewhere and put him into business if he don't do any good among strangers he never will this was a long speech for olaf and as he finished it he climbed into his buggy nils shrugged his shoulders same old tricks he thought hits from behind you every time what a whale of a man he turned and went round to the kitchen where his mother was scolding little eric for letting the gasoline get low four joe vavrika's saloon was not in the county seat where olaf and mrs ericson did their trading but in a cheerfuller place a little bohemian settlement which lay at the other end of the county ten level miles north of olaf's farm clara rode up to see her father almost every day vavrika's house was so to speak in the back yard of his saloon the garden between the two buildings was enclosed by a high board fence as tight as a partition and in summer joe kept beer tables and wooden benches among the gooseberry bushes under his little cherry tree at one of these tables niels ericson was seated in the late afternoon three days after his return home joe had gone in to serve a customer and niels was lounging on his elbows looking rather mournfully into his half-emptied pitcher when he heard a laugh across the little garden clara in her riding habit was standing at the back door of the house under the grapevine trellis that old joe had grown there long ago nils rose come out and keep your father and me company we've been gossiping all afternoon nobody to bother us but the flies she shook her head no i never come out here any more olaf doesn't like it i must live up to my position you know you mean to tell me you never come out and chat with the boys as you used to he has tamed you who keeps up these flower beds i come out on sundays when father is alone and read the bohemian papers to him but i am never here when the bar is open what have you two been doing talking as i told you i've been telling him about my travels i find i can't talk much at home not even to eric clara reached up and poked with her riding-whip at a white moth that was fluttering in the sunlight among the vine-leaves i suppose you will never tell me about all those things where can i tell them not in olaf's house certainly what's the matter with our talking here he pointed persuasively with his hat to the bushes and the green table where the flies were singing lazily above the empty beer-glasses clara shook her head weakly no it wouldn't do besides i am going now i'm on eric's mare would you be angry if i overtook you clara looked back and laughed 
you might try and see i can leave you if i don't want you eric's mare can't keep up with norman nils went into the bar and attempted to pay his score big joe six feet four with curly yellow hair and moustache clapped him on the shoulder not a goddamn of your money go in my drawer you hear only next time you bring your flute ta -da 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 joe wagged his fingers in imitation of the flute-player's position my clara she will come all the time sundays and play for me she not like to play at ericsson's place he shook his yellow curls and laughed not a goddamn a fun at ericsson's you come a sunday you like a fun no forget the flute joe talked very rapidly and always tumbled over his english he seldom spoke it to his customers and had never learned much nils swung himself into the saddle and trotted to the west end of the village where the houses and gardens scattered into prairie land and the road turned south far ahead of him in the declining light he saw clara vavrika's slender figure loitering on horseback he touched his mare with the whip and shot along the white level road under the reddening sky when he overtook olaf's wife he saw that she had been crying what's the matter clara vavrika he asked kindly oh i get blue sometimes it was awfully jolly living there with father i wonder why i ever went away nils spoke in a low kind tone that he sometimes used with women that's what i've been wondering these many years you were the last girl in the country i'd have picked for a wife for olaf what made you do it clara i suppose i really did it to oblige the neighbours clara tossed her head people were beginning to wonder to wonder yes why i didn't get married i suppose i didn't like to keep them in suspense i've discovered that most girls marry out of consideration for the neighbourhood nils bent his head toward her and his white teeth flashed i'd have gambled that one girl i knew would say let the neighbourhood be damned clara shook her head mournfully you see they have it on you nils that is if you're a woman they say you're beginning to go off that's what makes us get married we can't stand the laugh nils looked sidewise at her he had never seen her head droop before resignation was the last thing he would have expected of her in your case there wasn't something else something else i mean you didn't do it to spike somebody somebody who didn't come back clara drew herself up oh i never thought you'd come back not after i stopped writing to you at least that was all over long before i married olaf it never occurred to you then that the meanest thing you could do to me was to marry olaf clara laughed no i didn't know you were so fond of olaf nils smoothed his horse's mane with his glove you know clara vavrika you are never going to stick it out you'll cut away some day and i've been thinking you might as well cut away with me clara threw up her chin oh you don't know me as well as you think i won't cut away sometimes when i'm with father i feel like it but i can hold out as long as the ericsons can they've never got the best of me yet and one can live so long as one isn't beaten if i go back to father it's all up with olaf and politics he knows that and he never goes much beyond sulking i've as much wit as the ericsons i'll never leave them unless i can show them a thing or two you mean unless you can come it over them 
yes unless i go away with a man who is cleverer than they are and who has more money nils whistled dear me you are demanding a good deal the ericsons take the lot of them are a bunch to beat but i should think the excitement of tormenting them would have worn off by this time it has i'm afraid clara admitted mournfully then why don't you cut away there are more amusing games than this in the world when i came home i thought it might amuse me to bully a few quarter sections out of the ericsons but i've almost decided i can get more fun for my money somewhere else clara took in her breath sharply ah you've got the other will that was why you came home no it wasn't i came home to see how you were getting on with olaf clara struck her horse with the whip and in a bound she was far ahead of him nils dropped one word damn and whipped after her but she leaned forward in her saddle and fairly cut the wind her long riding skirt rippled in the still air behind her the sun was just sinking behind the stubble in a vast clear sky and the shadows drew across the fields so rapidly that nils could scarcely keep in sight the dark figure on the road when he overtook her he caught her horse by the bridle norman reared and nils was frightened for her but clara kept her seat let me go nils ericsson she cried i hate you more than any of them you were created to torture me the whole tribe of you to make me suffer in every possible way she struck her horse again and galloped away from him nils set his teeth and looked thoughtful he rode slowly home along the deserted road watching the stars come out in the clear violet sky they flashed softly into the limpid heavens like jewels let fall into clear water they were a reproach he felt to a sordid world as he turned across the sand creek he looked up at the north star and smiled as if there were an understanding between them his mother scolded him for being late for supper end of part 11